know, they have those warnings on television shows, you know, viewer discretion is advised. This is, say listener discretion is advised because we're going to be talking about money this morning. So, yeah, so if you want to put your wallets in the car, you can do that. We do talk about money when the Lord talks about money, and so uh, we're going to do that this morning. Hopefully I can give you what I think is a very interesting perspective on Matthew 6, 19 through 21, something for all of us to consider. The Lord there says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Starting there in verse 21, it is profoundly interesting to me that Jesus didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That that almost makes more sense uh, to me. But instead, he said, put your treasure in heaven and your heart will inevitably follow. And I never really uh, understood that before, but uh, it helps to keep it in the context of, of him talking about where you invest your wealth. And uh, thinking about that, I, I've noticed uh, that people with financial investments follow the stock market very closely uh, or wherever you have your money invested, and some people more than others, you know, uh, I, I mean, there's, and I'm not even criticizing. It's just interesting. Some people, when you talk to them, they, uh, you can tell they're spending a great deal of time, you know, watching these things that, to me, are just tickers that come across the bottom of the screen and get in the way, you know, and stuff. But, but they know all about what their stocks are doing and when to buy and when to sell. Those who own real estate follow the housing market with genuine interest. Get it? A little bit of a, little bit of a joke there. Uh, so, I think, you know, if you keep it in that context, if I have treasure in heaven, then I'm going to pay attention to, to heavenly things. That's, that's the idea. Jesus, Jesus is really almost like an investment banker here. He's, he's taking on that mantle saying, hey, those of you who invest, you, you put your investment there and then you follow that because that's where it is. And he says, so if you put your investment in heaven then your heart will follow that. And so it's a really an interesting perspective. Um, if I want to be more heavenly hearted, then I should send my treasure ahead to heaven. This is a whole other kind of a sub-theme we'll talk about a couple times here this morning. I very rarely have said this. I have said it over the years, but sometimes when if people come in and, you know, they're just hey, I, I just don't, you know, I don't feel the Lord. I, I, I'm just, I don't feel like I'm really growing in the Lord. I mean, sometimes the, the real question is, well, are you giving to the Lord? Are, you know, are, how, how are your finances when it comes to the Lord? And, well, I don't really give anything. Well, then you're at an impasse because the Lord said if you send your treasure ahead, then your heart will follow. And there's a, there's a, a, a direct relationship to that. Uh, so, you know, the fact is we don't talk about giving very much because, uh, not because it's not in the Scripture, not because that we don't want to practice good stewardship, not because it's a bad exhortation, but because it's been overdone in our culture. It's a sad thing uh, the way churches put up their thermometers and, and have their campaigns. And uh, the last couple of weeks I've been getting flyers in the mail. I got an email follow-up on the pumpkin patch fundraiser that all of a sudden people are sending me 
you know this because now's the time to plant pumpkins if you're gonna if you're gonna have a pumpkin patch, uh, and and uh, and we've been fantasizing about taking our five acres, you know, and just turning it into a pumpkin patch, you know, make millions on our five acres and stuff, you know. But uh, so, you know, the fundraising thing has been overdone, and 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 you know, essentially, uh, it's like the exhortation to prayer or fasting. It's in the word. It's an individual thing, and so we just want to talk about. It. But the Lord's going to get into it and, and a little bit in our face this morning about giving. Uh, if I have treasure in heaven, my attention is going to be focused more on heaven. In other words, I've I've invested there, and so I'm going to pay attention to to what's happening there. Uh, at the same time, we're going to recognize right from the start here that there's wisdom in the Proverbs and elsewhere in the Bible that we be not only hard workers but wise with our resources to provide for our future on earth as well. The Lord, though He uh, had the gift of poverty and took vow, you know, apparently was, we would say, a vow of voluntary poverty and never owned anything, uh, this isn't really typical of the, of the Christian life. Uh, you know, we, we are exhorted in other places to work hard and think about our future. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 is one of my favorite sections where it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides supplies in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. And so uh, ants are smarter than some people in that they provide for at least a limited future. You know, and so the and there's other exhortations in Scripture for us to be wise stewards and to be prepared for the future. And so there is a, what we want to call a balance in terms of I have to live here on earth. I should be thinking about my future on the earth. But I also believe that the Lord could come at any moment and that I want to lay up treasure for myself in heaven for when I get there. Now, here's the hard truth. Uh, and this is just something all of us need to hear. The hard truth is that most Christians give very little to the kingdom of God. In the most recent Barna survey which is probably a couple of years old now. Uh, they haven't done this for a while, but, but certainly not more than five years old. An analysis of Christian giving, less than 10% of Christians give at least 10%. Uh, and, and to some people, that's stunning news. To other people, you know, they're in the 90%, and so it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't you know, they agree with it. But and most people, they find it hard to believe, but less than 10% of the Christian population give at least 10% to the Lord. Uh, ministers are fond of saying 10% of the members do 90% of the work. You, you've never really heard that here except in a joking way, but you know they try and encourage people to get involved in church by saying 10% of the people do 90% of the work. You know, um, When it comes to giving, that's true. 10% of the members support 90% of the work. I, I often fantasize, I can't help it, uh, you know, I'm sure all of you in your area of business have some fantasy, you know, whether it's, well, whatever it is. But uh, I often fantasize about what a church could accomplish if all of its members gave at least 10%. Uh, people talk about, for example, our welfare system in America. The church was the welfare system in America for many years. Uh, and and uh, the reason it's not anymore uh, well, there's many reasons. Uh, you know, I've learned not to be overly simplistic over the years. You know, there, people always say, "Well, the reason for it is this." Well, there's lots of reasons, but but it is interesting. The church could not be the welfare system in America anymore because it doesn't have enough money uh, to do that. Because most of its members are not giving. Uh, now, you know, our church 
similar to other. I think we have, uh, you know, from what I can tell, it seems like our people give more than the average, and that's great. I mean, we're not hurting for anything. Uh, but imagine if we had, you know, ten times more resource than we have right now in terms of, of you know, everything. That we, I mean, all that we do, you could multiply that quite a bit if, if everyone started giving more. And, and so it's an individual matter, of course, but this is what Jesus is taking on here. He's, he's going to say basically people are providing for their earthly future, but they're not paying attention to their heavenly future, and it's hurting them and the church. The Lord knows that giving is important to spiritual growth. He wasn't suggesting, as I said, we take vows of poverty and fail to provide for our families. But he was and is focusing attention on our tendency to overlook the priority of investing in the kingdom of God. So he pointed out a few things about our treasure to encourage us in our overall investment strategy. And the best way to leave here with this study is to think, what is my investment strategy for the future? All the future, the spiritual future and the earthly future. And so he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Wealth among the uh, ancients in the first century consisted in clothing or changes of garments as well as gold, silver, gems, wine, land, oil, things like that. It meant an abundance of anything uh, that was held to be conducive to the comfort of life. Uh, and obviously all of those things are subject to the kinds of, uh, of uh, problems that Jesus mentions here. The houses in the east were frequently made of clay hardened in the sun or loose stones and it was comparatively easy for thieves to dig through your wall and effect an entrance into your house that way. I mean, so, uh, you know, today we'd break a window or kick down a door, but in those days they just dug through the wall somewhere or, the, you know, the roof. It was pretty easy to get into your house. No security systems really other than, uh, you know, animals that you'd have on hand. But uh, so, so this is the context. Jesus said, you know, if you have treasure on earth, here's this, it's subject to moths because clothing was considered a treasure in those days. It was valuable. Rust, to a certain extent, even some of the coinage uh, was made in such a way that it could rust uh, and, and then anything else that could be stolen. Now, the word for treasures is actually the word for storehouses, and it came to mean where you deposit your money or your goods. And the word for lay up can be translated to amass. Uh, and so Jesus seems to be saying, don't amass money and goods on the earth. The struggle for us is to determine whether we are being reasonable in planning for the future or whether we are amassing wealth for the future. Uh, we talk today about amassing troops on the border. You know, when, we, when somebody's about to go to war, we, the news people say they seem to be amassing troops, which means they're putting all of their army in, in one place, getting ready to strike. And so Jesus says we don't want to amass or put all of our treasure in things on the earth because of these reasons. Uh, a savvy investor knows, knows better, I should say, than to put all of his money in one place. Uh, and m many people have you know, lost their fortune by doing this. Anybody see the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, that Will Smith movie? It, it's not a particularly good movie. Uh, I don't think there's anything bad in it, so I feel comfortable mentioning it. I'm not recommending it, but it, it, uh, it, it, he, he portrays, he's a real, uh, it, it's a true 
quote-unquote story about a guy who now is a successful, well, he became a successful investment banker, sold his investment banking business, and now is a multi-trillionaire or whatever and stuff, you know. And uh, I, I was left kind of, eh, you know. So I mean, I thought at the end he was going to say, and he provides home sh- homeless shelters or something. But he's just a rich guy now. But uh, early in the movie, the reason he gets in trouble, he takes his his family. Money, all the money that they had saved, all the money they had on earth, and he buys, I don't know, 50 or 60 of these medical devices that are bone density scanners. And it was supposed to be the next great thing after the x-ray that you know every doctor's office would want to have this bone density scanner. And um, he, he bought like 60 of them at a you know, wholesale price and then he was, had to go around and sell them to doctors. He found out nobody wanted one. It was, you know, and, and so it's, he loses everything trying to, trying to sell these machines and he, he can't do it. Uh, there's kind of a, the funnest part of the movie, there's a silly sub-theme where one of them gets stolen and every now and then he sees it. The people who've stolen it or carrying it are their hippies, and he chases them through San Francisco and stuff, you know. But, but the the point is, you're stupid if you if you do that. I mean, I guess it could work out from time. You know, some people have done that and they turn a fortune. But generally speaking, if you go to talk to uh, an investment account, a consultant, they're going to tell you you don't want to invest everything in one thing, uh, because chances are uh, you're going to go down the tubes. You know, you want to be diversified. Uh, and so, from a strictly earthly point of view, you're told to not amass a w- your wealth in only one type of investment. Diversification is important. And so I think what Jesus is saying, that to only deposit money and goods on earth is a poor investment strategy since it lacks diversification. After all, any number of things can nev- negatively impact your wealth on the earth. Uh, like moth and rust and thieves. So what the Lord is saying is, you should have a diversified portfolio, and it should include heaven, and you should think about heaven first. And then you can invest in, in, in all these other areas. So that, that's really, you know, he's a pretty, pretty smart investment banker for a guy that didn't own anything. You know, and he said, look, it's, it's okay, uh, it just you know, you don't wanna, but you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket, and you, and you really should be thinking about heaven. And yet most Christians really uh, are not diversified. They do put all their money in one place. It's on the earth. uh, And so the Lord is exhorting us to diversify and put some of our money in heaven. And so he says in verse 20, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So heaven is a place you can safely amass wealth because it is fairly secure. (laughs) It's reasonably secure. There's nobody... Uh, apparently there aren't, you know, people say, what's heaven like? And one thing you can definitely say about heaven is there's no moths, rust, or thieves. And so that, that's, you know, on the negative side, you know, there's, uh, I, I'm looking forward to heaven because there are no moths. Uh, and, um, well, anyway, I thought it was funny. No moths, therefore no mothballs, yeah, and by extrapolation, uh, no holes in your clothes. Uh, Isaiah 55 says, why do you spend money for what is not bread? and your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 1.4 that there was an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so, heaven is a good place uh, to invest. 
And so the teaching here is just simple and profound. It appeals to your sanctified common sense. You wouldn't encourage someone to ignore investing for their future. You would suggest that they invest and that they be diversified in their investments. Anyone not investing in heaven by giving to God is a foolish investor. You're not investing for your ultimate future and you're not being diversified. And so the solution seems to be to seek first the kingdom of God, invest first in heaven, then on earth. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. In other words, investing in heaven will yield the intimacy and growth and spiritual maturity that you're looking for. And so at least for some people, uh, you're going to hit a wall in your Christian walk until you start giving. And, and, and Because your heart is not invested if your if your money is not invested in heaven your heart will not be invested there uh, and so for some people this is good counsel it's like hey you know, if you don't feel like you're doing well with the Lord instead of changing churches or trying the the next program that comes down for example you know we don't not to openly criticize anything but right now the big thing is the purpose driven church or the purpose driven life and churches are trying to hype everybody up about doing that. And people do it because they need to be stirred up in their Christian walk. Uh, Jesus is saying probably what some of those people at least need to do is just give to the work of the Lord to, and then their heart will begin to follow that work. Uh, it, even on a, a very common level, I mean, if you start giving, uh, say, to a particular mission, uh, Look, then what happens? You start to care about that missionary and, and you start to pray for that person. You start to be invested in it. You might even end up there visiting that person. You know, that kind of, and, and so there is a, you can really see a direct uh, connection between that. So the Lord is just saying be diverse in your portfolio. Take a look at your investment portfolio and make sure some of it's going towards heaven. And uh, then you'll have all of your bases covered uh, and you'll be better off for it. Amen. That's really